Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Uniselect Inc. first quarter results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I will now like to turn the conference over to your speaker today, Louis Junot, Chief Legal Officer, Officer and Corporate Secretary. Thank you. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Merci d'avoir patienté et bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique des résultats du premier trimestre de Unicelec Inc. Présentement, toutes les lignes des participants sont en mode écoute seulement. Après la présentation, il y aura une période de questions et réponses. Pour poser une question, appuyez sur étoile 1 sur votre clavier téléphonique. Si vous avez besoin d'aide, veuillez appuyer sur l'étoile 0. Je vais maintenant céder la parole à Louis Gino, chef de la direction des affaires juridiques et secrétaire. À vous la parole. Merci Julie. Uh, good morning everyone and thank you for joining us for the Unistelec uh, first quarter conference call. Presenting this morning are Brent Wyndham, president and CEO of Unistelec and president and CEO of the Canadian Automotive Group, and Eric Bussier, executive vice president and chief financial officer. Following their comments, we will open the call for questions. Please note that all documents uh, referred to in today's conference call, including this web webcast presentation, can be found on our website at unicelect.com in the investors section. As noted on slide two, I would like to remind you uh, <clears throat> about cautions regarding forward-looking statements, which is applied to our presentation and comments. All amounts are expressed in U.S. dollars, except as otherwise specified. With that, let me turn the call over to Brett. Thank you, Louis. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. In just a few weeks, all of us have entered unprecedented times that will continue to reshape the method that we live our lives by and run our businesses. As we started the new year, having concluded the strategic review, having successfully executed the performance improvement plans, the team was ready for the next step in our continuous improvement. Unfortunately, the current pandemic crisis forced us to address immediate needs of safety and well-being of our teams and those of our customers, to establish business continuity plans, to service the essential services within each of the countries which we operate. We did this very successfully to date. Much thanks to the leadership and Team Uniselect for the countless hours and sacrifices made. We will continue to adjust to the dynamic market conditions to ensure we remain in our leadership position in each of the businesses. Today, we will provide an overview as well as comment on the impact of COVID-19 and our strategies moving forward. Please turn to page four. Our first quarter is typically a soft quarter. This year, it was compounded with the impact of COVID-19 in the back half of the month of March. While our first quarter sales were down 2.9%, excluding the impact of COVID-19, we would have been flat year over year, as our transformation was showing promising signs and traction. We did benefit from an additional billing day, the contribution from acquisitions, 
the savings from the continual operational improvements. Despite these positive contributors, our profitability was impacted significantly due to COVID-19. Along with the foreign exchange losses brought on by the recent volatility in currency markets, a one-time charge and the reduction in volume rebates following the, the decision to further optimize our inventories. These, these factors resulted in lower absorption of fixed costs, which ultimately impacted our margins. Excluding the FX losses and the one-time charge, which combined represented $4.8 million, our adjusted EBITDA would have reached $21.6 million, or a margin of 5.3%. Also in the quarter, we acquired three stores for our Canadian operation. We also integrated six stores, realized annualized PIP savings of $2.9 million from the combined contribution of all three businesses. The Performance Improvement Plan annualized savings realized since its inception reached $53.5 million at the end of the first quarter. As a result, we ended the quarter with 431 stores in our network from 434 at the end of 2019. Please turn to page five. With the onset of COVID-19 in March, we quickly and proactively implemented measures to minimize impacts on our operations. We put in place stringent protocols for social distancing, hygiene precautions to safeguard our team members, our customers, and our supply partners. We also implemented temporary measures for business continuity. We furloughed approximately 50% of our workforce, reduced our work hours by 20% for all remaining team members. We temporarily closed about one-third of our stores and our network, while the stores that remained open were operating at reduced hours. We also implemented a cash conservation plan to ensure maximum liquidity and financial flexibility. We tightened the management of working capital and non-essential expenses. We reduced capital expenditures, customer investments, board of directors remuneration, and suspended the dividend. These difficult decisions were made to safeguard our team members and our customers to ensure maximum available liquidity until the crisis abates and the market conditions improve. Our objective is to come out of the COVID-19 crisis ready to continue our performance improvement. It's important to note we are continuously monitoring the announcements of the governmental assistance programs, the, opening, the reopening protocols, and we'll make the adjustments when needed. Now, let's go to the first quarter results. For finished master, please turn to page six. Before I comment on the results, I wanted to formally welcome Joseph McCory as president and CEO of Finished Master. Joe is a seasoned executive with, who brings 25 years of experience in the automotive industry. Serving global aftermarket customer, customers, he will be a great addition to our team. Finished Master sales for the first quarter decreased 1.1%, mainly due to the expected revenue decrease from the integration of 28 company-owned stores within the last 12 months, the lower sales volume primarily related to COVID-19. Organic growth was negative 2% for the quarter. However, excluding the impact of COVID-19, organic growth would have been flat. In the quarter, we continued to execute the PILP with the, with the integration of two stores and in the quarter with 178 stores. Adjusted earnings before tax and related margin reached 4.8 million or 2.4% of sales, down from 9 million or 4.4% of sales for the same period last year. This, this decrease is mainly explained by the lower volume of rebates due to the inventory optimization, a one-time charge, as well as a lower sales volume, mainly attributable to COVID-19. These factors were partially offset by the savings 
from the optimization of processes and integration initiatives. While our short-term focus will be managing through the current COVID-19 crisis, our long-term objective remains the same. We expect to capitalize on the transformation undertaken in 2019 while continuing to adjust our cost-to-serve model to new market realities. We are a clear market leader. We have the ability to scale into existing and new markets. We intend to accomplish this by focusing on each of our paint segments, namely premium, industrial, and value segments, along with our associated products. We will also benefit from the full deployment and, and impact of the PIL, and will continue our journey towards a continuous improvement culture. Now let's turn to page seven for Canada. Sales for the first quarter decreased 3.7%, mainly due to the negative organic growth primarily related to COVID-19 and the depreciation of the Canadian currency. These factors were partially offset by the additional billing day and the business acquisition. Organic growth was negative 4.9% in the quarter. However, excluding the impact of COVID-19, estimated at approximately 35 to 4%, organic growth would have been negative 1%. This decline is related to the timing of PBE products to our independent members on a year-over-year basis. The continued improvement uh, performance of our corporate store network partially counterbalanced the, the situation. In the quarter, we continued to execute the PIP with integration of one store while we acquired Bay Auto and Truck in Ontario, adding three stores to our, our store network, ending the, the quarter with 77 stores. Our adjusted earnings before tax decreased to a loss of $2.6 million from a profit of $3.5 million last year. The decrease is mainly explained by one a lower one-time volume rebates, unfavorable variation in FX, and the positive contribution from ProColor last year. These factors were partially, again, offset by the PIL. While our short-term focus will be managing through the COVID-19 crisis, as mentioned before, we will continue to increase operational efficiency and in building our independent members' market share while driving, new, driving the new bumper-to-bumper -bumper auto service banner program to increase loyalty to our network. For Parts Alliance, let's turn to page eight, please. Sales for the first quarter decreased 5.7%, mainly due to the negative organic growth related to COVID-19 impact. The weakening of the British pound and the expected revenue decrease from the integration of 13 company-owned stores in the last 12 months. Organic growth was negative 4.5% in the quarter. However, excluding the COVID impact, estimated at approximately 55 to 6%, organic growth would have been positive. Our recent greenfields continue to be positive to our overall sales results as well. In the quarter, we integrated three stores, ending the quarter with 176 stores in our network. Our adjusted earnings before tax decreased to a loss of 300,000 from a profit of 2.3 million last year, mainly explained by the lower gross margin due to the different product mix, lower volume rebates, and lesser absorption of fixed costs. Last year, TPA also benefited from a gain of a property disposal, which was not repeated this year. These factors were partially offset by the savings from the PIP and the benefit of the government subsidies related to COVID-19. Our objective will be to focus on capturing the full benefits of our recent investments. We will continue to optimize our supply chain and to complete the integration of our ERP systems. With this, I will now turn it over to Eric to review our financials. Thank you, Brent, and good morning. Please turn to page 13 for consolidated profits. 
For the first quarter, we reported a loss of $6.7 million, or $0.16 cents per share, versus a loss of $1.3 million, or $0.03 cents per share last year. Adjusted earnings for the quarter were a loss of $44.3 million, or $0.10 cents per share, versus a profit of $5.1 million, or $0.12 cents per share last year. The decrease in adjusted earnings was mainly attributable to lower adjusted earnings before tax and a difference in the tax rates from foreign jurisdictions as well as the different geographic distribution of taxable earnings and losses. Now let me comment on our cash flow on page 14. Recall that typically we burn cash in our first quarter. We used 10.8 million of cash flow, cash flow from operating activities in the first quarter of 2020 <coughs> versus 69.5 million last year. This marked improvement was mainly due to our proactive cash management in the face of COVID. More specifically, we optimize our inventory in Finish Master, which improved our working capital by about 44 million year over year. In addition, with the emphasis on the collection of receivables, we improve our working capital by another 20 million year over year. These cash inflow were partly offset by lower operating results. Combined with additional borrowing under our credit facility, we use our liquidity in large part to fund our working capital make a tuck-in acquisition in Canada, invest in CapEx and merchant advances, as well as pay dividends. Note that we did temporarily suspend future dividends in order to preserve cash to weather the current price. We generated $11.8 million of free cash flow from the quarter, compared to 19.2 last year. This variation is primarily due to lower volume rebates associated with the optimization of inventory. Turning to page 15, as of March 31, 2020, our outstanding total net debt stood at $468 million, including $96 million of IFRS lease obligation, versus $449 million and $101 million, respectively, three months earlier. When you exclude IFRS 16 lease obligation, total debt to adjusted EBITDA stood at 3.15 times versus 3.63 times for the same period last year. As of the end of March, we were in compliance with our financial agreements. Based on our assumptions, we believe that our current liquidity and positive cash flow in future periods will be sufficient to meet our current operating and capital needs. Let me provide more color on this in a moment. Turning to page 16 for the outlook. There is significant uncertainty in the market, but we are working on the assumption that this will last through a good part of Q2, with demand progressively recovering in Q3, and hopefully return to prior levels sometime in 2021. In fact, April consolidated sales contracted by approximately 50%. As of end of April, we had reduced our payroll costs by approximately 50%. We undertook temporary and significant cost reduction actions, which can be grouped under three categories. Personnel-related actions, adjustment to variable costs, which mirrored the lower projected revenue, and elimination of discretionary spending combined with a significant reduction in capital investment initiatives. We have a certain fixed cost base, including facility rent, administrative expenses, and interest expense that are harder to compress. We are, and we will continue to focus on preserving cash in this period of reduced demand. Currently, on the bright side, we are able to gradually reopen our closed stores in all three segments as market conditions are allowing. Therefore, we start to bring back some of our workforce, changing store hours and adjusting payroll. We are seeing this as a positive first step to a gradual return to a new normal. In fact, day by day and week by week, sales trends are showing stabilization, and in some cases, early signs of improvement. In the first few days of May, sales marginally improved compared with what we was experiencing in April, 
as the various economies start reopening, for example, in the Maritimes and in the province of Quebec. Although we are starting to see some encouraging signs, these remain significant uncertainty going forward from the impact of the pandemic, and the related financial impact is difficult to estimate or predict at this time. However, let me provide you with a bit of color on the limited visibility we have. As of Tuesday, May 12th, Uniselect had access to approximately $110 million on its credit facility following liquidity preservation efforts taken in the context of COVID-19 pandemic. In addition, should the pandemic extend longer than current expectation, we have initiated and are in an advanced stage of discussion with certain existing lenders and governmental institutions to refinance certain debt with a view to preserving and increasing our available liquidity. If we realize our refinancing strategy as anticipated, our total access to liquidity would increase by an additional $100 million to $210 million on a pro forma basis as of May 12, 2020. Therefore, we are confident that we have a solid financial plan to address the current price and sufficient liquidity to meet our current operating and capital needs. This completes the financial review of the first quarter. I now turn the call back to Brent. Thank you, Eric. In conclusion, the actions taken during the crisis will provide a safe and solid foundation as we return to the new normal for all of us. The team continues to act on a number of fronts to address the new market realities as they are happening. We are confident that these actions, including the ones to enhance our liquidity, that we will be in a situation not only to weather the crisis, but emerge in a positive position. I would like to thank each of the 6,000 plus team members, again, for their commitment to adapt and to execute especially since the onset of COVID-19. I would also like to thank our shareholders for their support and their guidance in these unprecedented times. This concludes our presentation. We're now for, ready for your uh, questions. So Julie, if you will, please. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, press star one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please wait while we compile the questions. Your first question comes from the line of Benoit Poirier with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you very, thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. Um, if we look at the uh, impact of COVID-19, could you talk about uh, if there's any particular region that are more or less impacted by the uh, the pandemic? Look, Benway, it, it varies so much. Uh, it week by week, different markets, depending on the government government uh, actions, uh, depending on the, you know, reopening this section, let's just think about Quebec, right, for instance, where the various economies from a regional standpoint are not moving at the same pace. So it's, it's, there's a wide range here, and I, I wouldn't want to put color more so than anything else. Uh, I will tell you that on a global basis, we saw sales reducing by about 50% in, in the month of April. Uh, and as I said in my, uh, in my allocation, it's this is a, a, a positive sign versus May in the sense that we're seeing May improving over April slightly. And, you know, as, as the markets will reopen, we think that the revenue will follow. Okay, perfect. And when we look at the cost reduction initiative, you've already taken some action with some furloughs, some uh, salary cut, uh, reduced hour. So, and if we look in the past, you've been quite good with the PIP program in order to uh, uh, to, to improve margin. So, could you talk a little bit about the, uh, uh, the overall PIP that could be announced to 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 improve costs? And in terms of EBITDA also, 
what type of margin we we might be looking at uh, given the uh, significant reduction in uh, in sales. Yeah. So look, uh, I think it would be premature for us to uh, to indicate uh, in any shape or form uh, the overall impact at this point. Uh, I think uh, you know if anybody has a crystal ball to uh, to tell me at how quickly each economy will reopen. Uh, then it will be an easier conversation, and I'll follow those those leads. So I think I can only manage what what we control, and I think we've done a very. I'm personally very pleased with the, what the teams have done in the last uh, 60 days. Uh, it's a very different world right now up there, and uh, we're certainly managing our affair to make sure that we have a reduced cost in a, in a significant manner. Uh, the reality is we'll bring people back as revenue comes back. We got to got to adjust that on a you know, it's a it's a daily adjustment. So I can tell you from a store perspective, we we tailor and adjust workforce on a daily basis across our organization. Uh, so that's uh, that's the extent of the color I can give at this point. Okay, and in terms of working cap, there was some consumption, which which is typical in Q1, big improvement versus last year. But if we look at the full year in 2020, could you walk us through the the assumption uh, action that you are taking and whether you should uh, consume a working cap or improve working cap, uh, given the different discussion you have with the uh, let's say the uh, the suppliers or sure. the, uh, the the your clients. So I will tell you, Benoit, the way you should think about our working cap is in two sec sequence, the first half of 2020 and the second half of 2020. Uh, due to the buying, uh, buying patterns of 2019, we have more payables to be paid in the first half of 2020 versus the second half of 2020. And this is just a normalized volume. I just want to make sure, in other words, it's not a straight line in our purchase behavior of 2019, and therefore there's a higher uh, uh, impact on working cap in the first half versus the second half. Uh, and as not uh, as usual, right, that, that you need to like Q1 tends to be a, a weak quarter from a cash flow perspective. That's no different this year. And COVID is a, a minute explanation of that for, for Q1. However, COVID will have an impact on our Q2 uh, working capital, right? That's it. Just think about sales contraction and, and the fact that you're not going to collect that, as many dollars from the sale that you uh, that you would have done otherwise. So uh, we're, uh, in normal cases, I would have told you first half, we're going to burn cash, second half, we have generated cash. Uh, it's difficult for me to, to say how Q3 will shape up in Q4, right? But we are certainly taking significant measures to manage our cash flow activity. Okay, and now if we, last question on the liquidity uh, front. Uh, obviously, you're having discussion with the, the lenders, the, the government levels. Uh, you seem confident to, to get another 100 million increase in terms of credit facility. Could you talk a little bit about the covenants and when we look at Q2, Q3, Q4, obviously with the EBITDA reduction, it seems that the uh, uh, the leverage ratio ratio is going to increase significantly uh, versus the uh, the last two quarters. So I just want to get more color about what type of uh, uh, ratios, whether there you expect to receive some waivers and uh, the flexibility you have around that. Thank you. So look, we're, we're progressing well in our discussions with uh, the group of lenders. Uh, I think everybody is very realistic in the market uh, with what's going on uh, that, uh, to your point, the, the EBITDA measures will be impacted. And I can assure you that in our various discussions with the lenders, we're addressing that point also. 
I will and we will bring more color to this once the financing is closed. Uh, I do not want to you know, speculate on the, uh, on the final outcome of the financing at this point. Uh, but I, I can tell you that it's been worked on and on the basis to ensure that there is flexibility for the company in view of the current economic context. Okay. Thank you very much for the time, gentlemen. Thank you, Benoit. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Jonathan Lammers with BMO Capitals Markets. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning. Jonathan. Eric, could you please clarify a comment that you made in your prepared remarks? I believe you said something along the lines that the current credit facilities will meet needs for the foreseeable future. Does that comment include uh, the proposed refinancing or exclude that? If I exclude the proposed refinancing based on what we see today, we believe that we have the required margin. The, the reason why we're going ahead with a restructuring of and refinancing, so to speak, is essentially nobody has visibility on how long this uncertainty and, and that period will last. So we want to make sure that we have the proper uh, flexibility over the coming months uh, in the case that this crisis is longer than anticipated. Okay. And um, when you say that if you exclude it, you believe it's adequate, that would be under the assumptions that you've laid out on slide 16. Is that is that about is that fair to say? 516. Sorry, I don't know what slide, you're... Slide 16. Slide 16. Sorry. Um, anything else? Yes, I guess. Yes. Yes. Okay, and can you tell us who the government institution is that you're speaking to and what program it is you're looking to access? We'll provide more color once the, the, the transaction is finalized and agreed on. Okay. Um, thinking about a break-even level of sales, um, do, do you have an estimate for where that would be to help us set reasonable estimates? Well, look, it, it's a very dynamic element, uh, Jonathan. Uh, I think what I can indicate is that uh, if we are able to, uh, to generate a, a result similar to the April results, we believe that we would be at least neutral on that basis. Uh, but that's no, there, there's a, so many things and so many moving parts. Uh, and I would say it's a range of depending on the revenue and how quickly those revenues are coming back. Okay. Uh, are you in a position to walk us through um, your expense categories? What portion uh, are where fixed expenses would be now or, or where they were before the salary adjustments and what portions would vary with lower sales? Well, look, uh, I think the, the payroll contraction, as we indicated in our remarks, is about 50% uh, year over year, April to April. So it gives you an idea of the, the flex that we were able to do on the, on the payroll side. Um, on the, you know, the, there, is, there is some unusual items in our Q1, right? There's the FX loss and the, uh, the one-time uh, uh, impact that we, uh, we mentioned. And, and those, if you remove those, then you get into a, a level of expense for the current volume that range on a quarterly basis between 28 and $30 million. Right? If you normalize this for, for those type of one time, and then you have your interest expense, that would tell you that uh, we'll be ranging between uh, in the $20 million, low, low, low $20 million range is my expectation at this point. Okay, and how are the paint manufacturers um, 
sorry, sorry John, so I just want to rephrase. Sorry, sorry, I apologize. I said 20 million of interest expense in a quarter. I meant um, more, it's, that's the annual number. So <laughs> there's a bit of a difference. I apologize. Right. This would be more like a 7 million uh, expense for the quarter. Okay, thank you. Um, Brent, uh, how are the paint manufacturers responding to uh, COVID in terms of their relationship with you and the other distributors? What, what are they communicating and are there any opportunities for you to um, access any uh, uh, support or, or conversely, are there any um, you know, penalties we should be thinking about? So I, I would just say uh, we've been in constant conversation with all of our uh, our key partners, uh, supply partners, both on the parts and paint, um, as you can imagine. Certainly on the paint side, we're very, very integral uh, with them. Uh, it is a good relationship. Uh, it is one that's been very dynamic, very open, uh, very transparent. They're very supportive of everything we're doing, and we're very aware of what they're doing in their supply chain. Um, they're all they're all facing uh, 50 to 70 percent reductions in volumes. Uh, so, uh, quite frankly, we're uh, we're working with them to make sure that uh, when we come out of this together, uh, that we're we're in lockstep with uh, so we can grow. Okay, thanks. And Eric, uh, regarding inventory and purchases, um, can you comment on how much you've slowed uh, purchases over Q2, and uh, you know describe any opportunities you see to sell down inventory to uh, shore up the free cash flow? Well, I mean, if you look at what we've achieved just in Q1, uh, I think it's a significant uh, restocking that we realize, and we are certainly working on the basis that we reduce purchases significantly in, in the second quarter. Uh, look, the reality, Jonathan, is we have a sort of a target number of reducing inventory by approximately $100 million compared to December 31st, 2019. Uh, in my opinion, we'll exceed that number slightly, uh, but what's important to understand is at some point you've got to maintain your fill rates. In distribution, you can only sell what you have. If you don't have it, you lose the sale. So fill rates has to be a, an element that we maintain, and we will. Obviously, there's been significant reduction in volume. Therefore, you're not burning through your inventory at the same speed that you were before. Thus, the fact that you reduce purchases on that basis, but we further reduce our purchases to these stock where we can and where it makes sense. The three businesses have targets to do so. And I will tell you, at, uh, based on Q1 and what, what I'm seeing so far, we're, we're tracking to our plan. And that's across all three businesses. Oh, yes. Okay, thanks for your comments. I'll pass the line. Thanks, John. And there are no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back over to the presenters for closing remarks. Thank you very much for joining us today, and we look forward to talking to you at our next quarter results. Thank you and have a good day. Stay safe. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.